Today's message is from Psalm 23. Join me in reading. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we invite you into this service. We come with open hearts and pray that you would lay on our hearts what you would have us here. Um, Lord, speak through Steve. Use his words to directly uh, influence us and impact us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Always good to see you. The privilege is mine, as always. And look, here's the thing. I I say that a lot, but you have to understand this. I, I really believe that. Like, it is such a privilege for me to be in this position. Uh, I'm honored to, to know you, and, and I'm going to say that every week, okay? I used to, in Campus Life, I used to say uh, a phrase like, I love you guys, you're worth your weight in gold, and I would say it every week, but I, I believe it. I, it's a privilege for me, and uh, you've got to know that, like, you're not bothering me. You're not bothering me if you need something. You're not bothering me if you need help. You're not... I'm here, okay? It is a privilege and an honor uh, to be a part of this body. Uh, what a great day. What a great worship. I'm so thankful for this worship team uh, and what their, their hearts and, uh, and that scripture reading, right? That was a pretty lady that was up here. You know, part of me seriously was a little nervous about her being on stage because I, I felt like I might have been exposed a little bit. Uh, because you would realize that you're not getting the best end of this relationship. (laughs) But I'm stubborn, and so I'm going to stay up here. Uh, We just got done reading some of probably uh, the most beautiful words that have ever kind of been grouped together in the history of the human language. Uh, These are just profound words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is probably the the most well-known psalm uh, in existence, Psalm 23. And some would even argue it's it's maybe the, the most well-known grouping of verses within the entire context of the Bible. And, and these are rich, rich, deep, profound words that bring comfort and hope. They remind us of God's goodness. They, they uh, kind of create resolve that propels us towards strength in our faith. And so what do we know about this psalm? Uh, psalm 23 was written somewhere in the neighborhood of 1015 B.C. So about roughly 3,000 years ago, about 1,000 years before Christ It was written by a man named David, right? David died in 1015 BC. And so these are are the words of David in his final days. And and David is a man that we revere for his faithfulness and his submission to the Lord. And they serve as a a wealth of knowledge, a spring of hope um, from a man in his closing days who the Lord himself regarded as somebody after his own heart, after God's own heart. And there's a lot of familiarity with these verses uh, because of some of the movies that we've watched. 
Hollywood has this like typical funeral scene. You'll know it when I start describing it, where you've got like people in a grassy area. They're all in black. Ladies have kind of their veil on and they're dabbing their eyes with handkerchiefs. And then it cuts to a pastor, a priest, and what's he reading? Psalm 23, right? Mostly, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me. And then people move, and what happens? It starts to rain. It always starts to rain in the movies, dramatically, and then in scene. And so we just have some familiarity with this, and our, our Western culture wants to make this a kind of a funeral hymn. And I understand great wisdom, great hope within this verse, but this isn't a psalm about sadness at all. This is a psalm of praise. This is King David at the end of his life praising God for his goodness and his mercies that have encompassed his entire journey through this life. And it is an emotional phrase, an emotional psalm. It, it has beautiful, elegant words that just kind of find a soft spot in our hearts. Uh, I, when I read this, like as a man, I had to, I had to take note of the eloquence and the sentiment within this psalm, because that's not necessarily where I go. In, in our Western culture, we kind of cultivate this kind of masculinity that is deprived of emotion uh, and sensitivity. We generate a kind of a macho-ness that's all about resolution, uh, being resolute, determined, emotionless, steadfast, and, and some of those things are good. Those are good things. They're just not complete. We don't do emotions as men. We eat emotions as men. But listen, of, of all the things that you've done as a man, all the manly things that, you, as, uh, that you've ever done, all the grunts that you've ever had in your life, all the broken bones and all the pains and all the scrapes, like listen, you're not out manning David. This dude's real. You're not going to top him in the area of masculinity and strength. Like David like, killed a lion and a bear with his hands, with his hands. How you feeling about your bow kill right now? Lion and a bear with his hands before he was 16 years of age. He went on to kill a giant named Goliath with a sling and then led the Israelite armies against some of the world's most powerful armies and he whooped them and he led Israel into its golden age. David is a man's man. But with the Lord, we see just tenderheartedness and sentiment. And it just made me reflect, like, look, we don't have to eat our emotions as a man. It, like, it's okay for us to sing, right? It's okay for us to sing. It's okay for us to cry. Uh, I cry at commercials with little kids now. I, that wasn't in me before I had kids, but I cry at those commercials, it's okay to speak softly and lovingly to the Lord. It's, it's not degrading or ending your manliness. It's only actually completing it. It's creating depth. It's creating intimacy with the Lord. And I just love David. I just love his words are full of wisdom and direction. And so the thing that I'm going to continue today is that the most important phrase in this psalm is the very first Verse. Not that all of these other verses are not equally important, but the very most important psalm verse in this psalm is the very first one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that is because everything else from that point is informed from that identity, that the Lord is my shepherd. 
And this reference of shepherd that we see in Psalm 23, where it compares God to guiding his flock of bringing great compassion in the face of death and darkness to those who follow him. In the Christian tradition, Jesus is associated as the good shepherd. Our, our word compares God's Messiah to the shepherd on multiple occasions. This is an analogy that's often used for our Messiah. And, and John writes this in his Gospels. He records these words that Jesus spoke in John 10. Jesus said that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves. The sheep flee, and the sheep flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And so part of the beauty of the Old Testament, and, and my small group, we've been kind of talking about this a little bit, is there's just a rhythm in the Old Testament that always is going to point us towards the work and the person of Jesus Christ. It just always does it. David is being prophetic here when he talks about the Lord being our shepherd. He's talking about Jesus. And Jesus is going to take what is prophesied, and he always makes it into history. So conceptually, this idea of Jesus being our shepherd is so important because it informs our understanding of what our relationship with the Father looks like on earth. What's our, the Lord, what our relationship with the Lord looks like. It kind of informs our perspective. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've walked through these psalms and we've talked about how important God's word is the foundation for our life. That biblical illiteracy just creates more problems than we need in our lives. That knowing God's word, writing it on our hearts, keeps us grounded and provides for us great boundaries that prove to keep us safe. It also leads us into a better understanding of our limitations and our weaknesses and ultimately at, with, with, informs us of, who, of who's better with dealing with those limitations and weaknesses. Shocker, it's not us. It's God. Psalm 23 is going to inform us of our most ideal perspective in life. Because listen, how you complete this phrase, the Lord is my what, has a great impact on your life. How you complete that phrase has a great impact on your life. And I know, look, we just read the Lord is my shepherd, and you, you know, it's, you're going to put that there, but the question is, how do you live your life? How does, what do you, what do you put in that phrase as, as your journey through life? The Lord is my what? Because whatever you write in there is going to create different realities. Whatever you put in there is going to create an identity for the type of relationship with the Lord that you want. Whatever you put in that blank is going to create a filter for you to understand and to live by in your relationship with the Lord. It creates an address, a destination for you and the Lord. It's what you will navigate to. And there are so many things that you could put into that blank that creates so many different destinations. And there are so many things that are true. They're true, but they are not complete. They are not complete. So uh, this is, I like to think of it this way. My wife, who was up here, my gorgeous wife, was up here reading Psalm 23. 
She's my wife. I'm thankful for that. That informs my identity in that relation. Nikki is my wife. That informs my expectations. It informs my identity in that relationship. But if I were to take that sentence and and define it differently, if I said that Nikki is my friend, is it the same relationship? No, it's not the same relationship. I've defined it differently. I have different expectations in that relationship. If I was going to complete that phrase with Nikki is my roommate, is that true? Yes, I live with her. But does it create a different kind of relationship? Yes, it creates all sorts of new expectations and new realities in that relationship. Now note, all of those things are true. Nikki's my friend, probably my best friend, and she's my roommate. They're true, but they're not complete. She's my wife. And that creates all new kind of realities and understandings in that relationship. It informs my identity and expectations for and from that relationship. And look, I'm grateful for my wife. I feel like she is God's love for me revealed in in the flesh here on earth uh, outside of Jesus, right? And so with that said, what we fill in that blank with, what we fill in that statement with is going to take us towards an address. It's going to take us towards an identity in our relationship with God. And that identity is going to be what becomes your true north in life. If we think of a compass, what does a compass always navigate towards? North. Whatever we put in that Splank is going to create a true north in our lives. And listen, if it's in the wrong spot, it can provide some trouble for us. When we start out, you may have a different true north that may, you may just be a little bit off of God's path, where he wants you, where he, his sweet spot, where, where his blessing is. But years and years of using that as the true north, we are further off than we could ever imagine in our relationships. So our little nuances in our perspective with God matter because they create different realities for us. And so look, there are lots of things that we could put in this blank. Lots of things that we couldn't put in there, but what is the right one? There are many of us that might put the word friend, that the Lord is my friend. And look, is that true? Yes, it's true. We are privileged through the death and the resurrection of Christ that we have become friends with God. It's a true attribute with God. It's a great attribute that we get to be friends with God. But listen, it's not complete. It's true. How do you view your friendships on earth? Like, how temporal are those things? They fail you. You, you rotate your friendships. I have friends that I haven't seen for years. I don't talk to them, right? We just, friends come in and out. Is any of that true of God? No, that's not true of God. He's our friend, but we don't We don't define him as a friend as we define our friends on this earth. So it leads us into a different perspective of our Lord. We might want to put in, uh, like, the Lord is my guide. Is that true? Absolutely it's true. It's true. He is our guide. Holy Spirit convicts us, moves us. He guides us. But God doesn't exist to give you helpful hints just to make your life better. If God was your guide, then you've just created something that, again, helps you. It's about you. You're in control. It's transactional. It's not transformational. It's about you getting help. And we might put things in like, these are true things. The Lord is my hope. Yes. I have great hope in the Lord. He's my rock. Yes. He's my refuge. He's, he's a mentor of mine. All of those things are true, but they are not complete. They're not complete. There are so many different types of words that we could put in there. But I don't want to make you stay here all day. 
And so we're going to limit it to that. But listen, if you're a believer, if you know the Lord and your reality is not that the Lord is my shepherd, you will never fully realize the blessings and the promises that David writes about in this psalm because of his identity as the Lord being my shepherd. You will never fully realize that. And the reason that I say that is because when you understand that the Lord is my shepherd, it means that you understand that you are not your own. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. All of those things that we talk about, friend, true, yes, hope, refuge, all of those things are improved. But who's it about? It's about me. If you have a shepherd, it can't be about you because it's about the one that owns you. The Lord is my shepherd. And so as I was preparing for this, I read something that just really struck me as fascinating. Uh, there is uh, this thing called the anti-psalm. Now listen, this is not in your Bible, all right? There, there's a guy named David Paulus, uh, David Paulison, and, and he wrote uh, anti-psalm 23. And he writes it as somebody who has the perspective of, so, uh, of the Lord not being their shepherd that it, the Lord is something else. And I, I just found his words fascinating. And so I put it in your, your bulletins. I, I put it on either side of the page, and I kind of broke it down so you can see comparatively what a reality where you're walking with the Lord as your shepherd looks like and one that is not. And, and so we're going to read through this together. And I just challenge you to kind of, this is like heart diagnostics 101 here. Like this just does a great job of just kind of checking our hearts and our priorities and saying, all right, is my perspective here of the Lord is my shepherd, or am I off on this? And so again, not in your text, not in your Bibles, but this is fascinating to me. Anti-Psalm 23 says this, I am on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, but life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own knee ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. And I'm so much all about me, sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Well, will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, homeless, free-falling into void? Sartre, he's a French philosopher, said, hell is other people. And David Paulison added, Hell is also myself. It's a living death, and then I die. 
just like uh, came to me and just like, maybe these words speak to your life. Maybe there's a lot of this that is your reality. And so listen, like as a friend, like if that is the case, we might need to reevaluate what we have filled in the blank with. What have you filled in your blank with? Is the Lord your shepherd? Now, not to say that a reality where we believe with all of our hearts in pursuing the Lord as our shepherd means that we don't drift into this kind of anti-Psalm 23 mentality. It doesn't always mean that, but because we've established it as our true north, he's always going to bring us back. He's always going to bring us back to to where he wants us. And so I I think what's interesting is what does it mean to have a shepherd? What, what What does having a shepherd mean for us? David writes this psalm in the perspective of a sheep. David is a sheep. David has lots of experiences as with sheep. David was a shepherd at one point in his life. But God is calling us sheep here. And look, it's not flattering, right? It's not flattering. Uh, he calls those who believe in him sheep no less than 220 times in his word. No, no less than 220 times that God thinks of us as sheep. It's not a compliment. Why? Well, sheep are literally some of the dumbest animals on the face of this earth. They are utterly defenseless. They cannot defend themselves. They need somebody to protect them. They cannot carry heavy burdens. When's the last time you saw somebody riding a sheep? Never. When's the last time you've seen a sheep saddled up with bags on its back? Never. Sheep cannot carry heavy burdens. They're directionless. They don't know where they're going. They are easily satisfied as like they would drink out of a mud puddle when quiet still waters are but feet away from them. They are far too content with what satisfies in the moment. And and sheep are skittish. They scare so easily. They are dependent on their shepherd for everything. How does that comparison feel? (laughs) How does that comparison feel? Do you find that there's a lot of spiritual truth in that? I just find that there is a lot of spiritual truth for me in that. But listen, to the shepherd, if you're his sheep, if you're in his flock, you're his most prized possession. You are his most prized possession. In Scripture, it reminds us that the shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know his shepherd, their shepherd. The shepherd knows the voice of his sheep, and the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And our shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. A shepherd has great love for his sheep. And so listen, if you are not in his flock, you cannot call him shepherd. If you are not in his flock, you cannot call him shepherd. And that's not his fault because he's been pursuing you since you've been born. If you are not in his flock, you cannot call him shepherd. The only thing that you get to call him is either savior or judge. You get to call him savior And that means he becomes your shepherd, or you don't, and that means he becomes your judge. And our God is a just judge. 
So let me just talk to us sheep right now. How good is our shepherd? How good is our shepherd? For a flock to thrive, all it needs is a decent shepherd. Just a decent shepherd. We got God. We got God as our shepherd. The good shepherd. How good is our shepherd? David goes on from this understanding to write some very powerful words to to create what a reality of the Lord being our shepherd looks like. He says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. Like, do you understand how much it takes for a sheep to lay down? They don't just lay down. Sheep need four things to lay down. The first thing that they need is sheep have to be free from all fear or they will not lay down. The second thing for a sheep to lay down, because of their social behavior, their flock needs to be free of friction. They can't lay down until friction is released within their flock. The third thing is, is if they're tormented by pests and parasites, they won't lay down. They will only relax when they are free from pests. And the fourth thing that sheep need to lay down is, is, is they will not lie down if they feel a need to find food. They will only lie down if they aren't hungry. This is our shepherd. Our shepherd. And David says that he makes us lie down. That my shepherd makes me lie down. He removes my fear. He removes my anxiety. He removes my stress. He feeds me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is what he does for us when we know him as our shepherd, that we are not our own, but we are his, that we don't need to be worried about anything in our lives because my shepherd's got this, and that creates a reality where I get to say that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will have no fear, for the Lord is with me, for thou art with me. I love that phrase, even though, even though I love in the King James it says, yea, though, Yea, though. I love that phrase. When I hear that phrase, it makes me kind of think of all of my difficult days in life, all of the times that I walked in shadows of darkness and in the valley, and I realize that my shepherd has never forgotten me. I'm here today. Even when everything was hard and frightening and uncomfortable, yea, though your body may be falling apart, Your shepherd knows you, and his rod will defend you, and his staff will keep you, because that's what a rod and staff does. It defends and protects, and it keeps the sheep from wandering. When you think back on your valleys, in your days of darkness, can you not see the shepherd there? Because he brought you through it. You're here today. I'm here today. The Lord has brought us through those things. In your bulletins, I've put this phrase, even though, and I've left a blank after it. Uh, This is homework for you. (laughs) I'm going to give you homework today. Can you think back to the valleys in your life? And when you do, can you realize that the Lord was with you in those things, that he shepherded you through that? And I want you to do that because I... I want you to remind yourself that in your next 
moment that you might say, even though this is happening, I have no fear, for you are with me. Remember those even though moments in your past so that you might remind yourself that your shepherd can handle this. And he certainly will. But often, you know, we get into these even though moments and we kind of drift back towards like that anti-Psalm 23 lifestyle. Oh, it's confusing. Are things going to ever work out for me? I'm haunted. Life is futile. I'm fearing of loss and the big hurt. But listen, you're not your own. You're not your own. That's you relying on you. You've got a shepherd. You've got a shepherd. Stay focused on him. He's good. I love what David moves on after talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He, he begins to describe the blessings that, that God brings us when we recognize him as our shepherd. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Like if you're a soldier and you're in the presence of your enemy, you're eating pretty quick. I don't even know if you're going there. But what David describes in here is that the Lord prepares a table in the presence of my enemy because perfect peace seemingly exists within that. That God, that you would say to God that even in this moment in front of my enemy, I don't need to worry. That I have a peace that my shepherd's got this. He's going to handle this. What a great analogy here. I love the writing of David. You anoint my head with oil. That's a blessing from the Lord. It's an anointment that God chose you. He blessed you. He's for you. My cup overflows, not just half full. It's not my, not my cup's full. No, my cup overflows, friend. My Lord, my shepherd, it overflows that surely your goodness and mercies will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So much of our life changes when the Lord is my shepherd and that's our perspective. And so what I think this challenges us with and it challenges me with, it is to reevaluate how we view ourselves and how we view God. Because so much of life are, is about happenstances that are altered and understood and experienced through your belief uh, and your perspective of, of your life. Uh, you, you create different realities and different experiences by how you view yourself, how you view others, how you view your God. There are so many nuances in the human language that create different realities. If we just look at two political worlds, or words here, it, political words, Republican, Democrats, both of which are in the political spheres, but both would take you to completely different realities in your world. Nuances in words and understanding create boldly different experiences in reality. And so how you fill in that blank matters. The Lord is my, because it might be the difference between you saying, even though, and I can't take this anymore. I'm on my own. It might be the difference in you saying, I shall not want, and nothing ever seems to go my way. We have a good shepherd who, despite our silliness and our proneness to just be stupid in moments and incompetent at times, loves us still, loves us still. He loves his sheep, and he is a shepherd that is worthy to be surrendered to. He is a good shepherd. And so maybe today you need to come to know the good shepherd, that you are sitting on the outside of the flock, and listen, God is pursuing you. 
Maybe your reality looks a little like anti-Psalm 23 than it does Psalm 23. And if that be the case, maybe it's time for you to call him Savior so he can be your shepherd, to understand that you can't and he can. You're not going to fix yourself. The word says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we believe that he took our sins and nailed them to the cross, that he took our punishment and he defeated it through his death and resurrection, he conquered all those things, you too might come to know what we who sit in his flock know already, that he is a good shepherd, that he is a good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you today, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for um, richly blessing us as a shepherd. You don't have to. You do. We are utterly defenseless, utterly directionless. We cannot carry heavy burdens. We are skittish and fearful, Lord. We are far too easily satisfied. But you are good to us. And so, God, build within us in our hearts a desire to see you as our shepherd, that it might inform our realities and our relationship with you, that it might create realities where we can say, even though this, Lord, I still praise you, I will not fear, for you are with me. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your word. Thank you for King David. We thank you for his psalm. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.